Okay, hello, and thank you all for tuning in to yet another episode of the Professional Pricing Society podcast. My name is Terrence, and we do have an amazing discussion ahead of us. Joining me today is Griff Perry. He is the co-founder of a company called Meter, a metering and pricing engine that makes it easy for SaaS companies to deploy, manage, and optimize usage-based pricing. Griff and his co-founder, John Griffin, started Meter after building and selling a back-end-as-service company for video games to AWS. Prior to launching Meter, Griffin held senior digital strategy and transformation roles at Sky. Griff, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm very good. It's lovely to be here. Good, good. I'm glad that we're glad to have you. We're very interested in this in this conversation today, talking about pricing as a growth lever for SaaS companies. Um, let's just go ahead and just jump right into it. If you don't mind, kind of give us a little brief description of your background and you know where you kind of come from regarding the pricing world. Sure. I mean, one thing I would say up front is I'm probably much less expert in pricing or pricing strategies than um, the majority of your audience. So what I consider myself to be is an expert in the tooling that allows you to deploy pricing strategies effectively and, um, and flexibly. Um, but obviously I've picked up a bit about pricing along, along the way. Um, in, in terms of my background, I mean, I've, I've sort of had a career in two parts. So um, the first part of my career, I worked in television, as you mentioned, in Sky. So Sky, the big um, pay TV player um, in the UK and, and in Europe. I did a variety of things and I, I, I started off being a strategist, but because digital was happening, I ended up focusing on digital strategy and that leaked into digital products. Um, and so I became a product person there. Um, funnily enough, I mean, thinking back on it, I probably didn't think as much about pricing as I should have done about those products, which is possibly because uh, Sky is a is a subscription business. And for the most part, the products that we were building were being bundled in with the core mm -hmm. subscription. But um, but I didn't really flex the pricing muscle then. But the, the second part of my career uh, was uh, the entrepreneurial part. So like you mentioned, uh, my co-founder, who's also called Griffin, although it's his surname rather than uh, his first name, mm -hmm. um, we founded a company called Gamesbox. And that was a, a cloud infrastructure business um, focused on the video game space, like you said. and we deployed usage well obviously we had to design our own pricing strategy um so that was my first exposure real exposure to pricing and we um, deployed a usage-based pricing strategy successfully in that business um but the reason i've gone on or we've gone on to found meter is uh, we experienced a lot of pain associated with that usage-based um, pricing model you know it's both operational but also go to market um, and we felt those pain points really keenly. We really struggled with them. And then when we sold that business to AWS, we then worked our own out at AWS. Um, they're also a usage-based pricing business, albeit on a much bigger scale. And what we mm -hmm. saw is that they had exactly the same pain points. And so that was the real spark when we started talking, thinking about Meter. It's like, right, okay, you know, if you're deploying usage-based pricing, um, it hurts in these ways and there's something missing that needs to be created that helps sort of solve those hurts. Sure, sure. Makes, and that makes complete sense. Now, you know, thinking about, you know, your background in, in strategy and kind of going into the digital, digital realm, you know, now we're in 2023 and in, in the world of pricing, you know, why do you think it's going to be a little bit more important for these type of companies um, to, to kind of hone in onto their pricing strategies moving forward in this year? Uh, because life is tougher. Yeah. I mean, we we are operating in 
in hard mode, but certainly harder mode. Um, and our customers are software companies. And so life got hard for them in, for two reasons. So one is the, the general macroeconomic climate is tough and all their customers are looking to cut costs, um, cut their cloth. Um, mm -hmm. And so that's tough. Um, and at the same time, uh, the funding environment for software companies has changed pretty radically in the past year. So, you know, we, we've gone from a, a period of easy money, essentially, to um, the current situation where uh, new funding is much harder to come by and much more difficult to, to justify. Sure. And so companies are, A, thinking, how do I get by without fundraising? Or if they are committed to fundraising, the the potential investors are are looking much more at the fundamentals. And so for, for those two reasons, um, life is harder. And I think when life is harder, people look at pricing much more keenly because it's seen as a lever to optimize results in um, in more difficult circumstances. So I generally, I think pricing is much more important now than it was last year. Sure. And I think any, you know, pricing professional can also agree in that, in that sentiment, you know, it's, it's more important now than it seems like it ever has been. Now, for those who may not be aware, what exactly is usage-based pricing? How do we know it's right for our business? And are there any other type of strategies underneath usage-based pricing? So every single person listening to this podcast understands usage-based pricing because mm -hmm. it's um, it's absolutely fundamental to, to verticals um, like logistics or, or energy and utilities or telecoms. So you know, the basics of usage-based pricing is you pay for what you consume. Um, what's what's new for our business is its application to software. So software is you know, traditionally, if you go back decades, been sold on the basis of um, it's been on an ownership model. You know, you, you buy it. Um, and then for the last 10, 15 years, it's been going through a subscription phase where you're basically um, you're paying a recurring fee for access. That's the core SaaS model. And what's happening now is um, businesses are adopting usage-based pricing um, partly because they're sort of they're imitating or responding to innovators in the market like AWS or Datadog or Snowflake and partly because there are some fundamental trends which make usage-based pricing work better and a lot of that is to do with automation and a lot of that's to do with product-led growth but um, but yes the, the fundamental part of it is you, you, you pay for um, for what you use and it's an alternative to paying um, for ownership or for access or by transaction or by outcome. Mm -hmm. Now, there are also other pricing strategies outside of usage-based pricing that you may be aware of. That, is that correct? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what's interesting about our business is that they're often used in combination. Mm. So, uh, so at Meta, we, um, the tailwind for our business is absolutely the growing adoption of usage-based pricing. I think it's gone from you know, being used by sort of a third or so of software companies three years ago to almost two thirds um, now. Um, but it isn't, these aren't all extreme variations of usage-based pricing like AWS. Mm -hmm. you know, a, a lot of it is uh, it's hybrid where uh, a, 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 one of our customers is offering to their customers subscriptions, for example, but for the subscription, you get an allowance of stuff, whatever it is, let's say API calls, um, and when you exceed that um, allowance, you're charged overages. That's an example of usage-based pricing. So it's, um, yeah, there, there is a lot of complexity, which we like. 
Mm-hmm. That's good. Good. Okay. Now, in your expertise and in your tenure of strategy building, you know, who yeah. do you think should be involved in developing a pricing strategy? It's tricky, isn't it? <laughs> and I and and um and I think this is one of the reasons why people don't pull or companies don't pull pricing as a lever that much. Mm. So if times are good, your pricing is roughly right, you don't touch it because any changes are, are painful. Mm-hmm. Um so in terms of who, who needs to be involved, it, it, it takes a village. It is pretty much all the functions across the company. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely finance. Um it's definitely sales. It's definitely marketing. It's definitely product, and it's definitely engineering. And then, for each of those areas, you actually got to consider sub teams. So, to give you an example, um, in finance, that's both sort of commercial finance or financial planning and analysis people who are thinking about the effects of change pricing and mm-hmm. forecasting different revenue amounts. But then there's also a different constituency, which are the billing operations or the, the, the FinOps people who are responsible for actually calculating and, um, and sending invoices. So they're yeah. worried about the operational impact of pricing changes. And, and you get sort of similar sort of sub-constituencies all the way, all the way down. And it's, um, you know, it's hard. And uh, um, in our business at Meta, we're often dealing with... Um, quite large companies who are adopting different pricing strategy for the first time. Um, and what they realize is that they're actually going through quite a significant business, general business transformation. It's not just about implementing pricing. They've actually got to change the way their teams work with each other and the tooling that mm. they share. And it's not unusual um, for us to be in a room um, with two teams from a, from a, a customer who've never spoken to each other before. That's, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. And they sort of introduce themselves and start laughing and, and we go, oh, right, you know, okay. So this is all they new for you. Um, yeah, the good news is that this is our meet and drink. We do this every day. So we can be quite helpful about sort of get guiding them and orchestrating their efforts. But the underlying point is it involves a lot of different teams and mm-hmm. um, learning a whole bunch of new tricks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can only imagine learning different trends or learning different aspects every department or sector everyone you know it's a very it's essentially it's going to take a village of a, of a company in this regard to i guess develop a, pri- a legitimate pricing strategy and they're also you have to take into consideration as well the data that every department brings to the table like how can data play an important role in this process overall as well well firstly it's very important so actually we we think of ourselves as a, as a data company mm-hmm. um but it's important it's important for two reasons so one is about design and one is about operationalizing. So on the design front, uh, you know, a constant pain point we see is people going, well, I've got some ideas about pricing, but I don't know which is the right one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, to answer the question, you've, you've got to understand how customers are using your product, how they segment into different groups. Um, and so, you need to like like again. I'm sure that most people who listen to this podcast, like, the first thing you do is you collect data, like sure. what's going on, what do we know about what's going on, and then you find a way of testing it. So that that's that that's the um, the data to fuel design. 
But then on the operationalizing side of things, um, this is probably more so of usage-based pricing than perhaps other pricing strategies. But um, information about or data about product usage and how much a customer is is spending Mm -hmm. uh, is valuable throughout the business. So you don't need it just to drive your billing. You know, your your sales team will also need that information so that they can have informed conversations with the customers. You know, they, they don't want to be ignorant of sure. how much that customer is using and how much they're spending. Um, and they also they need that information so they can they can time their conversations because you you really want to talk to a customer if their usage is spiking up or spiking down or approaching a threshold above which they might be throttled or um, charged overages. Mm-hmm. So that that data about usage and spend is critical for the sales team. Um, to give you another example, it'll also be very important to your product team because you know in a usage-based scenario, pricing is actually part of the product. You, know, you can't send a customer an invoice with a single line item once a month. You know, the, the end customer completely reasonably wants to know how much they're using and how that usage converts into spend at any given point through the billing cycle. You know, it could be the second day of the month, it could be the 17th day of the month, but they need that information. Mm-hmm. So product teams want to basically create billing dashboards. And so they need the same information, which is being piped to the billing system and it's being piped to the sales team. So um, yeah, for usage-based businesses, um, usage and spend data is lifeblood. It needs to percolate throughout the org. Mm-hmm. To have its full effect, which makes to have its full effect. Otherwise, you're not really managing it effectively. Mm. Um, you know, it's a living beast, isn't it? You know, you, you put out your pricing, but you um, you know you need to actively manage your customers. You'll want to agree slightly different pricing terms for different customers depending on who they are. Particularly if you've got slightly larger customers, and that information allows you to do it. it it's if you're not being proactive, you're you're not optimizing. It's not something you can set and forget. Mm-hmm, sure. Last question for you. I want to shoot this in your direction, going away from our customers. You know, what advice would you give to companies thinking about raising their prices? You know, especially in this year, 2023. Oh, it's tricky, isn't it? Um, well, I mean, particularly in software, which is the vertical I operate in, uh, a lot of people are doing it. Mm-hmm. I think there was news um there was news this week about uh, Shopify put up their prices, Zoom put up their prices. Uh, and there's, there's definitely a lot of supply side pressure to do it because, you know, input, input costs are going up. Um, plus, you know, if you're looking to optimize results, you should be relatively bold about searching out, you know, the, the headroom in your pricing. Sure. But I'm not answering your question. I'm explaining why it's difficult. Right. So what, how would I, how would I, um, how would I do it? I mean, I, I, for a start, I would really think about what your pricing power is. Um, you know, some software vendors are effect, effectively critical infrastructure. So, you know, Meta's own business is, is pretty critical infrastructure. I mean, you know, we're, we're right at the core of billing customers. Um, and the more critical you are, the more pricing power you have. At the other end of the scale, you know, if you're just a nice to have, then in these in this economic climate you're already vulnerable even before you put up your or think about putting up your prices because people are looking to make savings so definitely mm-hmm. consider your your pricing power um i would also do what we were talking about just a second ago mm-hmm. is that um you know you're going to need to socialize these changes with your customers 
mm-hmm. so that they understand them and believe them to be fair. So communication matters a lot. And then I guess the final thing is that there is, there's a lot of opportunity to be quite sophisticated about price rises. It doesn't have to be sort of like just a standard left across your customer base. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do uh, sort of private pricing on a per customer basis, but if you don't want to do that, there are other techniques as well. And usage-based pricing, which is what, you know, the tailwind for our business, what we tend to focus on is one example of that. Um, so if you, let's say you're a subscription business where I, everybody just paid um, a subscription price and there was no additional fee depending on weight of usage. Mm-hmm. If you basically keep that model, but introduce an allowance, you know, there's a usage allowance associated with the subscription. And if you exceed it, you'll pay more. What you end up doing is extracting more willingness to pay from your heaviest users who believe it to be fair. And so because the conversation you can have with them is, well, you're using it a lot. So it makes sense that you pay a little bit more than everybody else. And most Mm -hmm. people go, oh, yeah, I guess that's a good point. Maybe I can think about how I could use it a little less, but I don't object to the principle that I'll be paying a little bit more. So it's just it's worth thinking about sort of slightly stealthy tactics like that, where you can effectively price discriminate between your your customers because mm-hmm. um, that tactic there would actually, it, the average selling price would definitely increase, um, but that it doesn't have to be associated with a significant headline price rise, which is something that might trigger, you know, um, reconsideration of, of sure. whether people want to use your product. Sure. Okay. Makes perfect sense. Well, hey, Griff Pair, I really do appreciate your time with us today. That's all the questions I had for you for this particular discussion. Um, uh, did you have any, you know, questions or concerns for for PPS or, or myself? No, I mean, look, I, I don't have any concerns. I like talking to pricing experts. Like I said, like I'm not a pricing expert myself. I just happen to work with lots of people mm-hmm. who are, and I, and I see all the creative and wonderful things that they're planning. And um, at Meter, we we hope to make it easy to implement those and make them happen. Sure. Absolutely. Um, do you or, or your company have any kind of resources available for our listeners that may be interested to learn more about, you know, you or, or your company? Yes. If you're, um, if you go to our blog, so meter.com, meter spelt with a three, meter.com forward slash blog, there are a bunch of resources there around, um, it's sort of observed behavior. You know, we're looking at pricing strategies and the impact of those pricing strategies and we're sort of um, shining a light on what seems to be working and what, what isn't working. Like th- th- this is us looking at the at the outcome rather than um, predicting what might happen. Like I said, we're not pricing experts, but there's a bunch of stuff in there. And also included with that is uh, a bunch of stuff about the operational challenges of implementing usage-based pricing, which people should be aware of. Sure. It's not it's not easy, but it is doable if you know um, where you're headed. Okay, good, good. Meter.com, that's M3TER.com. There's a um, readily available blog section for those who may be interested in learning more about Griffin Perry or his company. Hey, I want to thank you again, Mr. Perry, for your time. It's and for our viewers, listeners, tune in today. I want to thank you all so much for your time as well. Until next time, we will see you again on the Professional Pricing Society podcast. Have a good one.